say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine and tune in for inspired conversations with publisher Linda Joy. On Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, Linda creates sacred space for leading female luminaries, empowering authors, heart-centered female entrepreneurs, coaches, and healers. A soulful venue where guests openly share the fears and obstacles they've overcome, wisdom and lessons learned, and the personal journey that led them to the transformational work they do in the world. Inspired conversations to empower you on your path to authentic, soulful living. Welcome to Inspired Conversations. I'm your host, Visibility Catalyst and best-selling publisher, Linda Joy. For 13 years now, I have been publishing magazines, books, hosting this radio show for a few years with one purpose, to remind women that there are resources and experts out there that can help them live their best lives. And I am so excited about today's guest because I have friends and family that have struggled with chronic pain. Maybe you know someone also. And as someone who understands the fear, sadness, and isolation of living with chronic pain firsthand, today's guest, Sarah Ann Shockley, offers a refreshing and unusual approach to managing and healing chronic pain that includes creating a positive relationship with pain, recognizing and releasing emotional challenges, and using awareness and breath to ease pain. Sarah is the author of The Pain Companion. In the fall of 2007, she contracted thoracic outlet syndrome, which is a collapse of the area between the clavicles and first ribs, and has lived with debilitating nerve pain ever since. She's been a columnist for Pain News Network and is currently a regular contributor to The Mighty, a 1.5 million member online community for those living with chronic illness and pain. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I have to say, you know, just um, when I received your book and learned more about you, you know, how many of us can count on multiple hands and our toes, how many people in our lives, friends or family, that live with chronic pain? Yeah, yeah. So They're calling it an epidemic right now. And when I found out uh, the work you're doing, I'm like, I have to have her on the show. So tell us about your story. Yeah, in um, the fall of 2007, so it's been a while now, um, I contracted, as you mentioned, thoracic outlet syndrome. And what that does, it's a collapse that uh, squeezes nerves, uh, arteries, and muscles between two bone structures. So it's extremely painful, but it's also very debilitating because it affects your ability to use your arms and your hands. And the pain goes throughout you know, your upper body and neck and also goes into the head. And so it affects your ability to even think straight, which pain I have found often does for people. It's, um, it's really difficult to use your mind the way you used to. And I was a single mom at the time and uh, working to support us and suddenly couldn't work and was um, really in a place where I'd been a very active person. Of course, I was the one who held things together, but I also was somebody who had been very athletically active and physically fit and um, the kind of person that you relied upon. I was the one that sort of organized things and got things going and, and felt of myself, you know, that I was very capable and resourceful. And literally almost overnight, all of that just came to a grinding halt because I couldn't use my body in the way I was used to. And I think that's an aspect of pain that's really important to know about and to talk about is that it's not just that you're in the pain, which is difficult in and of itself, but it affects 
everything else because you're you've got some condition that's creating that pain you've got something going on that is limiting your ability to be in life to take care of the things that you normally take care of and it has very far-reaching effects in how you feel about yourself in how you can participate or not in life and it also affects of course as we were mentioning before when we first came on it affects your emotional life and how um, your ability to just have any sense of well-being at all. So for me, it was a very long struggle, very difficult, um, and I'm still in it. I'm much better than I was originally, but it's, um, you know, I've been in long-term pain for quite a while, and I know quite a number of listeners out there that are dealing with something like that or know someone who is. Your story in just surviving all of that and getting through that how did you start integrating all of the things you're teaching now into that journey? Well, I, um, you know, when you first meet pain, it's, you think it's short term, you know, so, so the first thing you do is you're just going to get through it. And um, most of our responses usually are, let's, let's take something to take care of this. Um, I'll just carry on. I, and as a single mom, I had to kind of keep going. I couldn't stop really um, yet. I couldn't work anymore at one point. There was there was a couple months where it was kind of coming on, and then suddenly it was like I couldn't couldn't work anymore. So you you think it, but you think it's short term, and you think I've, I'll just get through this, and I'll um, I'll do what I have to do. I'll rest and I'll take care of myself. And then it's after the three months or the six months or whatever point of time it is when your doctor or you realize this isn't going away anytime soon, and that's when you often you meet that emotional wall of of shock but also you can slide into despair and depression because it's like you get the prognosis this isn't going away and that's really difficult so for me i and i think as a lot of people do you start out kind of gamely you know working with it you're going to get through it you're going to go to the other side of it and a lot of times what we do is we tend to think of pain as something to fight and something to overcome and something to defeat. And um, sometimes that works, you know, when you have short-term pain and you've stubbed your toe or you've broken a, an ankle or something even. There's a, there's a healing process that is understood and that happens over a certain length of time and then you come out the other side. With chronic pain, we're not coming out the other side anytime soon. That's a really difficult thing to work with and we don't have the same ability to deal with it as we do with short-term pain it there there's no end in sight and so what I found is I um, I found that fighting it you know really struggling with it was counterproductive for me because I have a lot of nerve pain and anything that stressed me out or made me more tense and I think this is true actually of a lot of pain made it worse so fighting it wasn't working and when I realized it was going to be a long-term thing, I kind of just dug in and got very stoic and very, okay, I'll just put up with this. And that went on for years. Uh, it kind of felt like I had to do that. I had to keep going for my son and had to just kind of try to struggle awake and get out of bed every morning and just stumble through another day um, and try to make a meal and try to just be there for him. But after a number of years of that, I realized, well, that's not getting me anywhere. I'm not getting better. And I'm I'm just kind of living in it and living with it. And that's when I started to really look more closely at, well, what is pain? What is it for? Why is it here? How how am I how am I being with this pain? And asking some questions that most of the time our doctors don't ask, most of the time we're not taught to ask, but the question of well what's what's the purpose? Pain, pain is still here. Why? And is there a positive purpose? Is there a reason pain is still around? And that's what started me on the journey of beginning to look at pain from a different angle, a different perspective. Powerful perspective, though, because it sounds like instead of feeling disempowered, you, it's like you turned the energy and made the decision to look at it in, from an empowered perspective of what could you do instead of this is what's happening to me. Yeah, and that took a while to get there. I I started out by basically being, you know, feeling very, I guess, depressed. If uh, you know, I don't, I hadn't 
dealt with depression a lot in my life, but I would say probably a depression or certainly a sense of helplessness, hopelessness, um, bordering on despair, and thinking, what well, can I? I can't go on living like this. I just cannot imagine stumbling through my life in all this pain for decades to come. And I didn't know what to do, and, and none of the treatments that were offered or the even the painkillers, which I, I don't tend to like to use them anyway, but I was offered them to see what would work, and, and none of them worked for me. So I was kind of left to my own devices. And the first thing I decided to do to, to, to begin to look at pain differently was to at least um, I began to write about my experience. What's going on for me? What What's happening? Thinking... I can, you know, journal my way through at least the pain of being in pain, in a sense. And I started doing that very slowly because it was painful to write, and um, sometimes only a sentence at a time. Um, and But I started writing about how awful it felt to live with pain. So I didn't start out from a place of, I'm going to look at pain differently. I started out from the place of, I have to express this somehow. I have to find a way to get out, you know, climb up out from the bottom of this well. And if I can't do anything physically to fix this pain, maybe I can at least begin to write about it and express it. So, so I started from the place of, I hate this. This is awful. This is terrible. Why doesn't this stop? And then I started writing letters to pain. I thought, well, I'm just going to tell pain what I think of it. So I started writing letters, and most of them were pretty awful, like, you know, why are you here? Get out of my body. I can't stand you. I hate you. And I've done everything I'm supposed to be doing. Why are you still here? But that process of kind of allowing all that to vent and to come up and to be expressed was in itself the beginning of a healing process. And it didn't stop there. Once I had kind of spewed all that out onto the page, which took quite a while because it was very slow going for me, um, then I went to the place of beginning to address pain directly, kind of thinking of it as a as an entity almost, because it does feel like somebody has moved in almost and taken over your life. You've got this roommate you never asked for. And so pain kind of feels like this other being, even though it's part of you. And I began to write the letters, and I also began to think, well, what would pain say if pain wrote back? What is pain doing? And I began to look at it as... Um, began to ask those questions of what's the purpose, what's going on here. And that's when I began to realize, wait, I've been fighting pain this whole time, and I'm exhausted, and it hasn't gotten me anywhere. Pain is still here, and pain's winning this battle. So how can I see this differently? How can I be with this differently? What if I'm seeing it all wrong? What if I'm starting from the wrong premise? What if pain isn't here as an enemy? I mean, there must be a purpose for this. And that began that sense of turning sort of toward pain rather than confronting it and pushing against it and trying to get rid of it and not look at it. I started to do very counterintuitive movement of let's look at pain. Let's see what is this pain. And I began to sit with it. And kind of I think pain. that's the most important part is is slowing down and tapping in and sitting with it instead of trying to yeah. push against it. Yes. Totally. And when we come back from our first break, I want to talk about what led you to write The Pain Companion. It sounds like it was really organic, yeah. but I'm, I'll be through your own processes. And I'll be back in a moment with Sarah Shockley, the author of The Pain Companion. You can learn more at thepaincompanion.com. A conscious lifestyle for a mindful life. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. We can all use a little more peace and joy in our lives. Don't you agree? Counselor, best-selling author, and self-nurturing expert Kelly Grimes of CultivatingPeaceAndJoy.com is passionate about empowering overwhelmed and exhausted women to live with more peace, joy, and meaning through the practice of self-nurturing. Through her experience working with individuals, speaking, providing workshops, and teaching professional and leadership development, to forward-thinking organizations, Kelly knows that nurturing peace in the world begins from the inside out. That's why she created the free Cultivating Peace and Joy mobile app that brings you beautiful self-nurturing reminders, guided meditations, empowering practice tools, and daily prompts with an inspiring question to guide your daily self-nurturing practice. Download your free Cultivating Peace and Joy mobile app today at cultivatingpeaceandjoy.com. 
Are you trying to get from point A to point B and need a little advice? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Connect with the counselors at Ohm Times Advisors. Whether you're looking for a life coach or a spiritual intuitive, the advisors participating at advisors.ohmtimes.com were carefully chosen based on their gifts, skills, and professionalism. Ohm Times Advisors, connecting you with the best advisors in the business. Do you have time to read that inspiring book or that blog post you've been meaning to get to? In your busy world, how do you improve yourself and keep your life going? I'm Lisa Kay, and my Between Heaven and Earth radio show can transform your life just by listening. Be uplifted with inspiring topics, positive stories, and ideas that really work. Between Heaven and Earth radio is conscious living for your soul every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. We've got more food than we know what to do with in this country, yet 17 million kids in America are struggling with hunger. Makes no sense. Luckily, the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks has volunteers gathering excess food and getting it to hungry kids. They're kind of like food angels. Hey, become a food angel yourself by supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is OTRFM. Part of the IOM Radio Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Inspired Conversations. So, Sarah, right before the break, you were telling us your journey through pain and the relationship through it. And I love that you are writing letters to your pain. And I've had my own experience with pain, so I, I could feel the emotion of, oh, I can imagine what I would have written at that time if I knew about that process. Is this is everything you went through through that writing process what led you to write your new book called The Pain Companion? Yes, absolutely. Um, the book isn't what I wrote at that time necessarily, although some of the letters to pain are in the book, but it definitely came out of that process for sure. I spent really, I think it was a couple of years that I, I did a lot of writing, but in the process of writing, I began to, as we were saying, see pain differently. And I thought, why, what, what if there's another side to this? What if there's something I'm not seeing? And I asked Payne to write back to me. And in, that sounds a little strange perhaps, but I kind of stepped into my pain and wrote back as if I was Payne writing to me. And I discovered something surprising, that Payne wasn't really a horrible thing. Pain wasn't yelling at me. Pain wasn't um, saying it hated me. Pain wasn't saying I'm here to get you and kill you. And, you know, all the things we think pain is trying to torture us and take over. And it's like a, a horrible thing that is, has come, up, come to our lives. And of course, yes, pain is awful and it is hard and it is painful. It's not like I'm saying it's not. It really, really is. But I also found that it was asking things of me that I hadn't been available for listening to before. And in listening to pain differently and in paying attention to pain differently than I was, I began to understand that it was asking me to 
change how I was, uh, not just with it. It was asking me to be different with it, but also with myself, with life. Uh, and that's something that anybody with pain can, can do. Um, so in a way, it was instead of confronting pain and pushing against it, I stopped doing that. I stopped resisting it, which, again, is a little bit scary because it feels like pain's going to come in closer. It's going to take over if you don't resist it. But what I found was quite the opposite was true. Yes, for a moment, I, I was more aware of my pain because I wasn't trying to look at it and, and be with it. But after that initial sense of, oh, it's really here, I began to get used to being with it as um, I would say more of an ally and a partner than an enemy. So instead of pushing against it, I thought of it as maybe something that was beside me rather than in front of me in the way. It was like, okay, you're here. I don't like you. I don't want to be with you. I, I, I you know, I don't. It's, it's terrible, but you're here, pain. So what is it that you're trying to do with me? What are you trying to tell me? What am I not hearing? What don't I know that I need to know in order to get through this? And that switch, which is seemingly very simple, is extremely profound because it shifts your relationship with pain entirely. And it also shifts your relationship with your body and with yourself in that you are now in a sense, stepping back into the center of your own life. It was pain had come in and taken the center of life. And you might not have realized it, but, you know, everything is around pain. Everything is from pain. Everything is for pain. It's all of a sudden pain's driving the car. And this movement, I guess I might call it, of being with pain rather than against pain shifts that amazingly so that you are pain doesn't go away it doesn't fix it immediately it's not like okay i did that and now it's gone no it's there and you're feeling it but you're being with it in a different way so i started to do a lot of things like literally sitting with my pain just um being with it and and hanging out with it and and noticing what it was doing and and what it needed i began to work with breath and noticed that i had been holding my breath a lot we often do that we contract around pain of course it's a natural response to pain we kind of pull in pull our breath in and we try to stop feeling it so we hold our breath a lot which however does not actually stop the pain it just seems like it's going to but it is not conducive to healing because we're not allowing that healing breath to flow through the body so i found there were actual physiological responses that shifted when i shifted my relationship with pain i began to breathe a little more easily i felt like i was more in the driver's seat than just than pain even though i'm still responding to pain even though pain is still there i had taken back kind of my center place in my life and that's huge um, particularly for people who have been pain for a long time, it's, it's a huge shift to feel like you are more um, in control of what's going on. And it's so true. And the other thing is, too, it's been 11 years for you. Yes. Since really long how is your pain level work. now compared to, where, like, you know how they ask you 1 to 10? Yeah. I, I, I really don't like the 1 to 10 skill. I think a lot of people don't like that but um, because it's so arbitrary. But um, I would say, at least I can say that uh, when I started out in this for years, um, I was at the 9, 10, 11, 14 scale, you know, really yes. over the top, just awful, awful, awful. Um, and now it is probably by half, I think, or, or perhaps even more. So it's really come down quite a bit. I am still in it. I still live you with will. it. Yeah. yeah, and it may go on for quite a while. And and I am not here to say that I know how to take people's pain away. Not at all. Um, I, if I did, or if anybody did, we would we would celebrate. I'll be pain free, right? We'd all be pain free. It'd be so great. But there's there's a part of pain that that is a journey. There's a part of being in pain that has an actual almost spiritual aspect to it or it can it's a way of it, it forces you to be with yourself differently if you allow it to you know if you if you really look at it and begin to work with it you have to ask yourself some really difficult questions about who I, who am i now in life and how am i going to be and what is most important to me and what do i have to let go of in order for this pain to start to move so it took me quite a while and i did spend many years not doing these kinds of things so 
So eventually when I sort of sorted out how to work with them in the last few years and the book came out of that, my pain levels have gone down quite a bit. It's been, it's been pretty remarkable. And I'd love to come back and say that they're gone at some point in the future. I'm looking forward no, to that. No, we'll hold that intention. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things, and I'll share my story briefly, but at 40, I'm 56, I had a mini stroke. They said it was either MS. You know, it led to a bunch of different diagnoses, which I never agreed with. Yeah. But bottom line, it was body pain, intense body pain. Yeah. And I remember at that early beginning when they didn't know if it was an embolism or an aneurysm that caused the initial episode, I remember being on the sofa for the third day because I said, don't be alone, don't move, don't go for walks by yourself. You know, everything to scare yes. the shit out of you. Yes, right. And I remembered this inner thing, and I wasn't as spiritual or into personal development as I am now, but I can remember the moment that I said, oh, my God. I am living in a place of fear, afraid to breathe, afraid to move, afraid to live. I can't yes. do this. And this internal shift happened. And I, can, I remember the moment. I can remember what I was wearing. And I said, I am not the story that they're giving me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And I, it was an internal thing. It wasn't yes. a logical thing. It was so internal. That began my healing journey. I've, I've told them to remove all those things off my medical records because I've been pain-free and have no diagnosis, but I remember that moment, and it sounds like what you're talking about, it's a moment of embracing what is, which is, in your case, chronic pain, which is long-term. So I get that feeling, because I remember that inner shift moment, and it changed everything. Here's the funny part, it didn't change my pain. It changed how I showed up. It was was extraordinary, and that captures what your book is about. Absolutely. It's about, you know, how, how are we being with what's already here? And yeah. that, you know, we often start with in our, you know, we have a very pain averse culture. So we, we start with not that anybody should love and, you know, love pain. And I don't mean that, but the way we are with pain is, is immediately we consider it wrong, bad, a mistake. We have to stop it and, and end it. And when we can't, what happens is that um, we feel wrong, bad, a mistake. You know, people in pain feel really bad about being in pain. There's something wrong with us because we can't stop this. And I feel that our attitude towards pain, that fighting, that battling against it is actually part of what keeps it in place. And so then we feel worse and worse about not being able to end something. And I, I advocate starting with a different premise, that pain has arrived it's not something we want. It's not something we, we, we enjoy, but it's here for a reason. There's, there's something it's trying to tell us, and we, it, just like you did, it's like, okay, instead of being afraid of it, which we are, most of us are scared of pain, is say it's here, and how am I going to be with this? How am I going to be in this thing that has already shown up? And one of the things I think we, we are so scared of pain that we don't even let it fully arrive. We kind of keep pushing it away and it never really um it's hard to describe this it sounds like well, wait a minute, that's a bad thing to do but it's like we almost have to let it be where it is let it arrive before it's going to move on and that that insistence that it can't be here and that we're in that resistance to it and that fear of it actually helps lock it in place so i love what you just talked about it's exactly what we're talking about it's exactly I'll, I'll give you an analogy that i shared with my doctor way back then because he said you know you're handling all of this really well and I said well it's like that I think we all have one but I'll just be honest I said it's like that pesky relative that comes to your house you really don't want him to come over but you open the door you let him in you serve him coffee you welcome them while they're there even if you may not want them there right that's how I had to treat my pain I didn't want it but I had to stop I had to stop the struggle, and you've put it so beautifully into words, but um, we're going to go to break, and we'll come back. I want to talk about, because you write about telling your pain story, mm-hmm. and I want to know about how that helps, because some people would say, stop telling the story, yeah. but you have a different way of looking at yeah. it. So when we come back from our break, Sav is going to share how telling your pain story can really empower you and not make it worse. We'll be back in a moment. Free your mind. Expand your soul. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Experience a homecoming to your heart. 
In the foreword of Dr. Deborah Rebel's new book, Being Love, how loving yourself creates ripples of transformation in your relationships and the world, Marcy Shimoff shares, the answer to our inner longing isn't finding love, it's being love. The practices that Dr. Deborah presents in Being Love are keys to opening your heart and receiving your divine birthright as a physical manifestation of love. Her techniques developed over years of successful private practice with her clients and from her extensive training in multiple disciplines are accessible, compassionate, and effective. Her message is powerful, and if you allow it, will change your whole life. Order your copy of Being Love today at beinglovebook.com and receive over 45 transformational gifts. Being Love is brought to you by Inspired Living Public. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Ohm Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Ohm Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. Hi everyone, this is Shay Parker, the host of Best of the Best, which airs live right here on IOM Radio every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific. I'm super excited to bring you expert guest hosts, spiritual discussions, free psychic readings, and so much more. I can promise that you will not want to miss this one-of-a-kind, fun, yet touching, down-to-earth show. Join us every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific on OTRFM. This is Shay Parker, and I can't wait to see you there. The number one reason girls drop out of school in sub-Saharan Africa is lack of access to feminine hygiene products. The Pads for School Girls Project, an outreach of Humanity Healing International, is changing this paradigm by setting up sewing programs at schools, teaching girls a vocational skill, while producing the reusable pads that help keep them attending classes. The girls pay it forward by making and giving pad kits to other girls in need. To learn more, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. A conscious lifestyle for a mindful life. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. You're listening to Inspired Conversations. I'm your host, Linda Joy, and with me today is Sarah Shockley, author of The Pain Companion. So, Sarah, you write about telling your pain story. Mm-hmm. And I love how you, your insights around it, because it's quite different than the model of don't look at your pain, don't think about it, because it's only going right. to get worse. Right. So talk about it. Well, I... Um... I kind of discovered this. It, it's absolutely true. I was brought up, I'm from New England originally, and, and you, you know, you're not supposed to see pain, know about pain, talk about pain, show your pain. Um, if you look at it or talk about it, you're going to make it worse. You're a burden to other people. All of that stuff that goes on and on and on about how pain should not be seen, heard, known about. And so we, I think that's 
a lot in our culture is we we want to end it as quickly as possible and we don't want we're not supposed to talk about it and we try to hide it try to hide it from others and pretend we're not in pain and the other side of that is not that we I'm not saying well let's do the complete opposite let's run around showing our pain to everyone and 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 acting it out and that kind of thing there's a there's a middle ground in all of this often and a much more balanced place to come from and I found from writing it out that helped me a lot it started to I started to feel a sense of relief both emotionally but also oddly enough I thought my my pain feels a little bit better that horrible edge of that really acute sense was beginning to lessen a little bit. And then, I, so I noticed that from expressing it through writing, but I also realized I wasn't telling anyone how bad it was. I wasn't even telling my doctors that, you know, this this thing about not talking about your pain is so strong that some of us downplay it even to people who need to hear how bad it is. And I think that might be particularly too, true of, well, it could be true of both women and men, but we're taught in different ways. Men aren't supposed to show it because they're supposed to be strong, and women aren't supposed to show it because we're supposed to be the supportive people and not need anything. So there's a cultural reasons, too, why we, we don't talk about it. And um, But I did find I was talking one day to one of my very best friends, and I began to tell him how bad it really had been. And he was blown away, and he you know, was was also, you know, in tears. He said, oh, my God, I had no idea. And I, part of me felt bad about making him feel bad, but it was also like he thanked me for letting him know. And I felt better. I wasn't unloading on him, but he was just uh, uh, listening to the real story. And it was a m- mutually helpful conversation, actually. So I began to really think about that and understand um, that pain, in a sense, needs to be seen and heard before it moves on. And I really began to work with that idea. Now, I think the reason some people say don't talk about it or or don't tell your pain story or I don't want to hear it or don't go on and on is because there is a way that you can be using it for self-pity. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, there's a way that people might use it to get a certain kind of attention that isn't necessarily really helpful. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about finding uh, someone in your life, or you may have to pay someone. It may have to be a therapist that you pay, or maybe it's even your pet or a tree. You know, some some being a person is, is the best, I think, but if you can't find a person, go out in nature and tell nature. But I think it's really important to find someone, then you have to kind of set the ground rules and say, please just be with this. Please be with me while I tell you my story. It's going to be hard to hear. I don't want you to fix me. I don't want you to try to give me any advice. I don't want you to, if you can, rather you didn't interrupt, I'd like to be able to tell you the whole thing about how this has affected me, about what happened, but also how I feel about it, how lonely I've been, how sad, how guilty I feel for being in pain, how ashamed I am of myself, how it's affected how I am in life, what I can't do anymore, my feelings of sadness about not being part of life, my feelings about sadness about my inability to be the parent I want to be or the partner I want to be or the friend I want to be. And so it's important to find somebody who is able to kind of hold the space for you so that you can tell your story without interruption. You don't have to do this over and over again. The kind of telling your story I'm talking about is you may be able to do this once and that's what does it for you. So so we're not talking about the person that continually runs around town talking about their condition and their medications. I'm glad you stressed yeah. that because that's the illusion some may have because we all have yeah. someone that all they talk about is their right. pain. Exactly. That's and not I, what you're talking that's about. That's not what I'm talking about. And honestly, my feeling is that the people that do that are doing that because they've never felt heard. They have to keep saying things because no one, they don't really feel heard. So, so the point of this is to find somebody who will sit with you and, and allow you to feel heard, and you're allowing your pain to be seen and heard. And there's something tremendously healing and very important about that, and it's a step in healing that we skip right over. Most of us don't even know about it. It's not talked about. It's not presented to us as a way, and yet it's an incredibly key aspect of beginning to heal both emotionally and physically. It actually begins to allow, in a, in a way, the pain inside of you goes, oh, someone heard me. Someone knows, if I, you know, I can stop screaming quite so loudly. Someone's listening. 
that kind of response begins to happen. And for sure, for, for people who are listening to someone's pain story to know Please don't give any advice. It's one of the things that happens so much for those of us who've been in pain for a long time is, is people who are well-meaning tell us, you know, what we ought to be doing, you know, which supplement to take, which doctor to see, have you tried this, have you tried that. So for listeners out there who are working with people in pain or who are living with people in pain to just kind of step back from giving the, the advice and trust that the person in pain is doing everything they can to heal already. They're exhausted just by being in pain. And maybe offer to be the one who listens, who doesn't try to fix, just be there for that person. It's very, very profound, very healing. That's a big one. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you were a single parent, right? So yeah. a lot of our listeners may be parents. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the challenges those who struggle with chronic pain face while parenting? Oh, it's really difficult. It's very difficult. You've got the struggle of how you feel about yourself as a parent. There's a lot of guilt that comes along with feeling like you're not really there for your child. Um, And I would say one of the things that we feel, you know, we feel so bad that we can't, you know, when I played board games with my son, he had to move all the pieces for me. You know, I couldn't barely do anything with him. We, we, we couldn't swim anymore or bike. I couldn't go camping. You know, everything stopped. And I felt horrible about that. But I also realized over time that for him, the most important thing was that I was still there. I might be in pain, but I was still alive and present. And your child wants you, your presence. You don't, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be able to do everything you used to be able to do. You know, um, I began to look at how I was in so much pain that I wasn't necessarily very present. I wasn't smiling. And it's not to fake the smiles, but to find ways to go, okay, I'm in this pain. It's not going away. I cannot allow this pain to take everything from me. I can't let it steal my time with my child. I may have to be in the pain with my child, okay, I, I'm, but I'm not going to fight that. I'm just going to be with it in that way and make every moment count, and I think that's so important, and I would also say um, not to, you know, depending, it's, it's age dependent on how, how old your child is, but I think they need to know that you're in pain and that you're working with something, not to try to hide it from them. They know. They're smart. They know something's going on. They always sense it. So certainly you don't tell them the full extent of things. Certainly you don't scare them to death. But it's scarier for them if you say nothing than if you acknowledge something's going on here. I'm, you know, mommy, daddy, we need a little more rest time. And give them something to do. Give them something to do to help you. They want to. Give, you know, would you, I'd love it if you would help me with the dishes. Would you be the one, can you carry this laundry for me? My son had to do a lot of things because I couldn't lift anything. I love what you said, though, because if we, we say nothing, a child, especially a younger one, will internalize and think something's wrong with them Absolutely. if mama isn't yes. there. Yes, exactly. They'll think that you're withdrawing from them personally, so if you have to go rest or something. So I think it's so important not to hide it in that way. Of course you're not going to show them the full extent. They can't deal with it. But but to say, you know, I'm I'm... I'm, however you want to say it, I'm not feeling well, I'm this, I'm, I, I need a little more rest time, and you can do this to help me. That gives them some po- empowerment with it. Um, I used to feel really guilty that my son had to help me with the laundry, he had to help me with shopping, the cleaning, you know, and, and to be careful, of course, not to overburden them, not to make it this hideous you know, weight for them. But in, within reason, it actually helps them to be able to help you. They feel they know they're contributing. He was contributing in a way that was very important and necessary. And he's now 22, and he's grown into a lovely young man who's very centered. And uh, he's um, unusually he's a single child, but for a single child, he's unusually aware of other people because he had to be you know, available to help me out. So that kind of worked in a way in a in a in a in a good way too. So so there's things that come out of this that are unusual un un, un um, expected gifts of of being with someone differently. Our relationship is very very deep and very beautiful. And I think part of it is because we went through this thing together. So and you were honest with them, right? And help yes. them be part of the process. Yes. Absolutely. Um and and 
I, I remember that time period when I couldn't do anything, and it, it, it did feel for a moment for, that it was a burden to the child. And then I said, no, we're a family. There has to be open communication, and we would do the same if it was the other way around, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's we what we're teaching them. them. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You're teaching them how to be, and they are going to meet pain in their life. You you feel guilty that they met it, you know, in the sense through you early on, but it also teaches them important life lessons. Their life is not going to be pain-free, either physically or emotionally. At some point, it's going to show up on their path. It's just part of being human. Hopefully, it won't be chronic. Hopefully, it won't be horrific, but teaching them how your your the way you are with your pain and the way you go through it is teaching them how to meet it when they meet it later and i think that's I also really, think really important it, it teaches them compassion for others too it absolutely does it absolutely does and it teaches them how to work through something particularly if you're if you're on a healing path and you're and you're seeing some positive changes it helps them see that things can move on and you can move through it and if that isn't the case it also teaches them how to be with something that maybe they don't like but they may have to be do something like that at some point in their lives where they may have to learn how to be with something that isn't necessarily what they would have chosen so powerful we're going to go to our final break, and when we come back, Sarah, I'd love to talk about how can we talk about pain without talking about the opioid crisis and the danger of pain medications. I'd love to know your take on that in our last segment. So we'll be back in a moment. I am with Sarah Shockley of thepaincompanion.com. Be sure to swing by, learn more about her book and the work she's doing in the world. We'll be back in a moment. A Conscious Lifestyle. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mindful Life. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. Are you being called to step into your truth and embrace your divinity? Are you ready to align your heart and soul, live an authentic life, and become a divine magnet for love and abundance? It's time to listen to your inner wisdom and clear the blocks holding you back from your best life. Leading intuitive prosperity coach, Akashic Records practitioner, and evidential medium Jamie Hearn of LiveYourDivinity.com empowers and supports spiritual women like you to align your inner and outer worlds, embrace your soul's truth, and live your divinity. Through her intuitive gifts, grounded wisdom, and empowered coaching, Jamie guides women back into sacred alignment with their truth. Visit LiveYourDivinity.com to learn more about Jamie's empowering programs and to schedule an Akashic Record reading. Are you trying to get from point A to point B and need a little advice? Connect with the counselors at Ohm Times Advisors. Whether you're looking for a life coach or a spiritual intuitive, the advisors participating at advisors.ohmtimes.com were carefully chosen based on their gifts, skills, and professionalism. Ohm Times Advisors, connecting you with the best advisors in the business. Circle of Hearts Radio is a sanctuary on the airwaves. Join me, Grandmother Alaya, in the circle on Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, as I share information to both enlighten and nourish your soul. Me, a cat, moving in with a new human. It took a little getting used to. She has these weird games she likes to play, like this giant feather. She sticks it in my face. I swat it away. She sticks it in my face. I swat it away. It's almost like she thinks I enjoy it. But seeing how much fun she gets out of it, well, I guess it makes it all worth it. Humans. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. A conscious lifestyle for a mindful life. Ohm Times Radio, IOM FM. Welcome back. You're listening to Inspired Conversations. I'm your host, Linda Joy. With me today is Sarah Shockley, the author of The Pain Companion. 
All right, so let's talk about this, right? Because yeah. I think everyone, and I'm raising my hand, can say we have a loved one who has been affected by the opioid crisis. Yeah, it's it's very, very, very difficult, and um, it's it's so important to know about and to find some ways to deal with this. Um, I have I've just always been this way since I was a kid. I've never been somebody who ran to the medical system for help first thing. So for me, and I've always been somebody who's tried to do things from a more natural perspective um, if I can. So for me, I don't didn't tend to say what's the drug for this. I tended to say what am I going to do for this. But um, I do understand that that there are um, there's a couple things going on here. One is that when we go to a doctor and we have pain, often the first thing they do is try to alleviate the pain. That's not necessarily a terrible thing, except that that's often the only thing we're given. You know, here's your pain medication. Go home and see what happens and come back later. And when we were talking about opioids and addictive pain medications, you know, then we end up with something on our hands that is turning into a real problem. Um, and it, it's, part of it is that our attitude towards this is that we, we take a pill and that fixes it. And, I, and I'm not putting any blame on anybody who's, who's using medication at all. This is not about that. It's about our, the way that we perceive things and it's about the way we approach things in our culture is that we take a pill and that's going to fix it. And the pill may help you sleep. That can be really, really beneficial. The pill may help you get through the day. That can be really, really beneficial. But if that's the only answer we're given, then we're stuck with that and we have this, this long-term use of medications that can be very difficult on the body, on our health, overall body health, and they also can be addictive. So, um, you know, we've got that idea of, um, I remember taking my son to the emergency room for something and, and it was immediately like, here's a prescription and he's like 15. And, and I've talked to teens that have gotten addicted on, on, uh, painkillers from having a, you know, be, being prescribed them automatically. So I think we've, we've got to take a look at why we immediately think that the, 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 the one answer is a drug and, um, how we can move beyond that and understand that that's just that should be a stopgap that should be a short-term thing and I certainly don't fault anyone who needs to take medication some people absolutely need to take them to get up in the morning to get through the day but let's not stop there let's say okay this is what I'm using to help myself get through maybe I am a parent and I have to keep going but let's also look at what what else can we be doing and that's what I write about a lot in the book is what is, what is the other side of that? How can we work with pain differently? Um, how can we be with it differently to begin to alleviate it so we can pull back from the need to take so many medications? It's also, yeah, it's ed about educating everyone that they have options. Yes. Um, yes. Because, you know, depending on your generation and your age and, and cultural beliefs, you know, so, some of us have been raised that the doctor knows all and that's it. Mm -hmm. But exactly there, right. yeah, and my, my, my family had that belief system for a long time. So when I challenged the belief system and said, they're like, so you're going to do what the doctor said? You're going to have an MRI and a CAT scan and these and that. I said, no, I'm going to just listen, yeah. like listen to my body. Yeah. Um, but it was challenging. Now, don't get me wrong. Do I still see? A physician, of course, I, I, I see an MD, but I turn more to functional medicine mm -hmm. and, and that type of health because I've seen what opioids can do. Yeah. Plus, I also believe that there are so many ways like meditation and all of that and body work and different things that can help us. Why not add that to our healing model, you know, healing treasure chest, I guess you could yeah, call it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you touched on something so important. We've, we've given so much power to doctors in the medical system. We've, we've made them demigods in our, in our world, you know, whatever they say goes. It's to the point where they've done studies where if doctors say you have X long to live or, or you have this, this disease and it's going to do that, we respond by sort of complying. A lot of people, you know, some people say, no, uh, that's not true, and they go home and they keep living, and some people take those things as, as predictive, 
and and we kind of conform to them almost, and they can actually influence um, in a negative way whether we heal or not. So doctors have an awful lot of power, and they really influence the way we feel about ourselves and the way we feel about whether we can heal or not. So I think one of the things we need to do is begin to equalize that relationship more rather than having the doctor way up high and we come in and we hand our power over to them and we hand our healing over to them and say, what are you going to do for me? Which also puts way too much pressure and responsibility on them. Rather equalize that. Come in as a client, a peer almost. Not not that you are a doctor, I don't mean that, but you are the expert on your body. You absolutely know your body more than the doctor does. And that needs to be I think recognized and seen in our medical system that whoever walks in the door is absolutely the final answer on their life and their healing and their body. And that comes from both sides. That comes from the doctor side of beginning to see, you know, clients as people who have something that needs to be heard, needs to be seen, that to respect and listen to what they bring, which too often people feel that doctors are not listening to them, not really seeing them. And on the other side, walking in as a, as a patient to think more of yourself as a client, you're hiring this person, and to be part of the process and to say what you will and won't do and what you're, what you're available for and not available for. And to, to not necessarily, you know, we, we, if we give our power over to the doctor, then if they say, take this pill, we have an idea that the pill's going to heal us. And actually, most of the time, many of the pills are, are trying to alleviate pain, but they're not necessarily alleviating the condition, and they're not necessarily healing us. They might help us to sleep. That can be healing. But we, we have to stop giving power to these medications, too, and realize we are the ones that are going to heal ourselves. Our body always is the, the, the always heals itself. No doctor can heal anyone. No, no medication can heal anyone. It's the body that uses it or doesn't use it. It's the body that um, heals itself always. And it seems like we've almost forgotten that. Um, and, and oh, I, I believe that too. Something else to do that, yeah. We have two minutes left, Sarah. Is this a piece of wisdom, or maybe even a resource aside from your book, The Pain Companion, that you want to recommend? Please share it in the last moments that we have. Yeah, I would say, honestly, I'd like to leave people with a couple of ideas. One is that you're not wrong for being in pain. It's Pain is something we meet on the path of life, and every human meets it. So, so to please know it's not a mistake, you're not... You know, you didn't do something wrong. It's not a punishment. It's just part of being human. And kind of give yourself a break with that. And see if you can begin to be with pain differently and work with pain, thinking of pain as working alongside of you and see what, what's the positive purpose here. What do I need to know? What do I need to listen to? And begin to see if you can play with the idea of just listening to pain and asking it, what do you need today? What can I do? How can we work together? And I'd also say um, don't wait for pain to leave to rejoin life. If pain's here and it's been here for a while and it's going to be here for a while, you may have to rejoin life with pain alongside of you. But don't isolate. If As much as you can, reconnect with life, even if it's tiny little ways. And sometimes it has to be online. Maybe you can't get out. But there are lots of communities online. The Mighty is one that I write for, and that's a community that is um, doctor-free. It's basically about... Uh, people who are in conditions like yours, if you have one, that are uh, sharing with each other. So, And there's many, many things like that online that you can find for resources, for community, for other people who are going through things. So definitely reach out. Don't, don't stay alone. Those are great tips, and I really appreciate it. And I want to invite everyone as we come to a close, visit Sarah at thepaincompanion.com. And I invite everyone to join me every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern for the Inspired Conversation Show. Until next time, my friends, choose love, choose joy, choose happiness. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Inspired Conversations with publisher Linda Joy. Join our sacred space every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern and meet leading female visionaries, empowering authors, heart-centered female entrepreneurs, coaches, and healers. Inspired Conversations with Linda Joy is a soulful venue where guests share the obstacles they've overcome, along with wisdom and lessons learned on their personal journey that led them to the transformational work they do in the world.
inspired conversations to empower you on your path to authentic and soulful living. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 